Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. Here praying. I had no agenda. I simply showed up last week to be with my people, to be with my Lord in this corporate setting. And the presence was so strong already in this place that as I sat down, I simply let my Bible fall open and I said, Lord, I don't know how to pray this morning. Will you teach me by your Holy Spirit how to pray? And I flipped the pages and as I began to read, he gave me a prayer for this place, for this time, for this people. And then he gave me this prophetic picture. And I want to tell you exactly as I wrote it down, the prophetic picture. The prophetic picture of River City Hope, Church of the Nazarene, Louisville, Kentucky. The Lord says, I see. He gave me this picture. The giant head of an octopus or a squid right here. With tentacles or arms that reach out from this center to every single part of this city. The head is Jesus himself. This is his tabernacle, his house, where he abides. It's not an octopus because an octopus only has eight arms, but this is something like it because there are many more arms, there are many more tentacles that stretch forth from this place to this city. And the arms stretching forth contain these things. Love for the broken, food for the hungry, clothes for the cold, healing for the sick, freedom for the captives, life for the dead. We are the arms. You are the tentacles. Jesus is the head. This is his tabernacle. We are the tentacles, the arms that stretch forth all over this city. This is a prophecy. It means you can receive it or not. It means you can claim it as your own truth or not. If you don't actively receive it and pray into it and agree with it, it won't come about. This is not a promise that's given without fail. It's a word you can agree with and pray into. It will not come about if we don't agree with it and pray into it because we have the option. It's a gift. It's choice. You see, this is a relationship. That's the end of the prophecy. This is a relationship that he has invited us into. And it's a moment-by-moment choice that we agree to step into the relationship with Jesus Christ. He did not create robots. He will not make you do anything. He wants you to do it because you're willing, because you want to, and because you love him. You don't come here this morning because someone forced you to do it. You come here this morning because you want a fellowship and you want to meet with the Lord corporately, together. When I, when I read this, when I heard this and I read this prophetic picture, I uh, sat on it for a while. I asked the Lord, do you want me to release this this morning? And he said, no, I want you to release it next week. And so I sat on this thing. 
And Wednesday night, as I was sitting here for corporate prayer time, we were praying, we were worshiping a little bit, and again, the presence of the Lord was here because this is his tabernacle. He abides here. And by the way, it's a habitation, not a visitation. He's a frequent man in this place. He's not a visitor. That's one of the things I love most about this church. And so as I was sitting here Wednesday night, the Lord dumped a scripture in my lap pertaining to the prophetic picture that he asked me to hold on to last Sunday. I actually do have a message. I think I'll get to it eventually, but it's important that I release the word he wants to release for you now. And so he took me to Matthew 22. If you have your word this morning or your phone this morning or your iPad this morning, turn to Matthew 22. Let's read the word of the Lord together. Jesus said... In a parable, the kingdom of heaven may be compared, Matthew 22 and 2, sorry, may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent out slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast and they were unwilling to come. Again, he sent out other slaves saying, tell those who have been invited, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat Fattened livestock are all butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention, went on their way, one to his own farm and another to his business. And the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. But the king was enraged and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. And he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main highways, as many as you find there, invite them to the wedding feast. And those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But the king came in, looked over the dinner guests, and saw there was a man not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, friend, how did you come here without wedding clothes? And he was speechless. And the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. I don't know the commentary on this verse. I specifically did not read it. In fact, I looked up nothing about this verse because I felt like the Lord was saying something to me in this parable. And this is what I want you to hear because it's pertaining to you. And it's pertaining to the prophetic picture that I just shared with you about the head and the tentacles. And this is what it is. You see, God had in mind to save his chosen people, Israel. And he sent his son as a ransom to pay the price for his chosen people. The wedding guests were his chosen people, and they said no. They rejected him. They rejected him, and they killed him. And the wedding guests who were invited took the slaves and mistreated them and killed them. That's the thing I get from this is this is a picture of God sending Jesus and inviting his people to the wedding, right? What happened in that? The wedding banquet was still ready, but there were no guests who came. So the Lord said, let me invite those that I did not first choose, and I will graft 
them in. They will now be my chosen people, and that is us. We are the chosen people that are grafted in. We have become his favorites. We have become his chosen people. We have become the invited wedding guests that come in to the house, to the feast. Amen? Let me tell you why that's important here. Because generation after generation in the American church, we have sat here week after week, not in this place, but in this country, and we have watched our numbers dwindle and dwindle and dwindle, and guess what? People aren't coming to the wedding feast. Fewer and fewer people are sitting in our pews and our seats every Sunday, and we wonder what's happening to the wedding feast because do you know the table is still prepared for us? The God that invited us when this was written and played out in flesh is still inviting us today. And fewer and fewer guests are coming. And I hear him saying, slaves, tentacles, lovers of my soul, servants, go out and find the wedding guests in the highways and the byways and bring them in. There are people, and thousands of them, in this city and the surrounding areas that know not Jesus and have never sat in a pew or a seat on a Sunday. They do not look like the American church has looked in the past. They do not look like us. They do not smell like us. They do not act like us. But make no mistake, they are still invited to the feast. And I used to think, erroneously, I used to think that all churches simply had to just pray in the presence and live in the presence and everybody who came would be so drawn that we wouldn't have to go out and do anything because the Lord would bring them in. And I still think that's true to a certain extent. But you know what I hear in this parable? The the father sent the slaves to invite those from the highways and the byways. You know what I hear him saying? We have to move our feet. And we have to not just be Jesus in the marketplace, but we have to actively go out and invite those who don't look like us, who don't smell like us. Because guess what? We weren't the children of Israel either. We were grafted in. There's a whole River City. There's a whole Louisville. There's a whole E-Town. There's a whole Shelbyville. There's a whole Kentucky that needs to come to the wedding feast. And I don't think they know they're invited until we go out and tell them so. So my prophetic picture from the Lord is followed up with his written word. By the way, prophecy will never, ever go against the written word of God. And the two have been married in my heart this week as he gave me this parable. And he said, it's not enough that you sit and bask in my presence. It's enough that you sit and bask in my presence. Make me an abode where I can abide. Make me a tabernacle, which we have done. And we've welcomed him here day after day, week after week. Now that I'm here, go get my wedding guests. I have prepared a table for them. There are still seats available in this place. They should have behinds in them. And I know there are people right now in their homes, in their apartments, and guess what? They don't know they've been invited. We have an active call. If you say to me, I'm not comfortable evangelizing, I don't know how to tell people about Jesus, well, can you just simply say we'd love for you to come to our church? 
I think once we get him in the presence, he's going to do the work. At the end of this parable, the Lord comes and he says, as the father or as the uh, king, he says, how did one come in without wedding clothes? You know what that says to me? That says to me this, it's not enough to go and get them and sit them here. We have to love them and disciple them and bring them along. How many of you know the kingdom of God is the whole gospel and he doesn't leave out any portion of the gospel? This is what it means. When he said go and make disciples, he meant go and make disciples. So go get them, invite them, bring them here, and then don't you dare just forget that you invited them. Love them, disciple them, speak into them so that they will be a bride that is fit to be adorned in white linen. Like Revelation says, you will be given given bride white fine linen that is your wedding clothes that is your wedding garment Jesus is not coming back for a haggard bride he's coming back for a bride that's beautiful and looks like him when we bring them in we have to love them no we don't criticize them no we don't shake our fist at them and our finger at them and we say you have to be like this we simply teach them about Jesus through his word pray with them and love them so that they will be adorned in wedding clothes because they still have to stand before the Father. They have to be found not wanting but in appropriate attire. Amen? Does everybody understand that? I think that's the end of that prophetic picture. And I don't say this criticizing because I think what this is is a call to the next level. In fact, I think you guys have done every single thing he's wanted you to do and more. I don't think you've varied. I don't think you've deviated. And let's be honest, this church has had prophecy spoken over it many, many times. I have heard it. I have heard the prophetic hub. I have heard the sending out. And I believe every one of those things. In fact, I believe he's just adding to that in this word. I believe he's saying, good job. You know what? I trust you. I trust you with more. And some of you have a burning heart to go and reach those that are unloved, that are lost. Some of you have a burning heart to go to the disenfranchised and the marginalized and be the hands and feet of Jesus. You don't have that burning heart for no reason. He gave it to you because he's saying, I hear you. I put it in you. I see you. I'm calling you up. It's time to come up from the bench and walk out onto the field. And I believe he's calling you because he trusts you. If you still have your Bibles open, I want you to turn to Jeremiah 5. There's a small verse in Jeremiah 5, and then we'll flip over to 6 I want to share. I asked the Lord how to pray, and he gave me the verse. And I turned back from the verse on how to pray, and this is what he said. I want to give you background to Jeremiah and why we're here. You see, Jesus, okay, scratch that. God the Father had a heart for the Hebrews, had a heart for the Israelis. The people he chose as his chosen people were in bondage in Egypt, and we know this story. And he raised up Moses to bring out his people from captivity from Egypt. And immediately, everything surrounding this call out of captivity, this exodus was completely surrounded in signs, miracles, and wonders. 
his chosen people he loved so much, he did things that he did not do for any other people group. The plagues got the attention of Pharaoh. Not only did the people leave, but they were given gold and treasure from the Egyptians to take out. So they were loaded. They didn't even leave poor. They left rich people. They were slaves. But when God chooses you and he speaks identity to you, he completely comes around and equips you with things you would never have because he loves you. Michael prayed this morning. He's a good father. We cannot doubt his goodness for his people. And they came out, and immediately they were chased. And what did he do? But he opened the Red Sea, and they parted on dry ground. And miracle and sign, and miracle and sign. And right off the bat, we see this people being rebellious. And he says to them, do not worship any other god. Just worship me alone. I want to be your god. I want to be your king, right? And what do they do? They have their little gods, they have their little idols, and they become an idolatrous people. It started immediately. Literally, he chooses them, he loves them, he calls them out, and they disobey. He loves them and gives them more chances, raises up prophets, raises up judges, raises up kings, and all of these holy, righteous men begin to speak the word of the Lord like Samuel, and the word says that none of his words fell to the ground. That means everything he spoke, the Lord put in him and came about. Why? Because he loved his people. They were his chosen people, even though they were rebellious. So this has happened generation after generation. He's given them a chance. He's told them, here's your word. Turn back to me. Turn back to me. In flesh and bone and blood, standing before the people saying, here is what the Lord our God says. He's giving us another chance. Sometimes they would turn and repent from their wicked ways, fall on their faces, and worship God. And sometimes they just killed the prophet or ignored the word. But generation after generation after generation, God's chosen people did this. And now here they are, the last chance. Here they are, divided. Judah, with the seed of David sitting on the throne. Judah, in the middle of Israel. And guess what? Israel has been assimilated and carted off into Assyria. Because they were disobedient. Even though... Generation after generation, they were given chances. So disobedient that they were gone. Okay, so here's Judah's last chance. Here comes Jeremiah. This poor dude, I just feel so sorry for some of these prophets. They have the word of the Lord, and I'm telling you, the word that they had was incredibly unpopular. Here's Jeremiah 5, and this is what Jeremiah is saying to Judah through the word of the Lord. He's speaking out judgment, and he's giving them another chance. The Lord is saying, if you will just turn and repent, I'll give you another chance. But you guys, this is the last straw. Why? Here's why. Judah, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 5.23 says, But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside and departed. If you flip the page over to 616, this is what the Lord says. Thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it 
and you shall find rest for your souls. The Lord expects for us to realize that we have been a stubborn and rebellious people. And not only repent, but ask, stand by the ways and see and ask the Lord for the ancient path. The Lord has a good way in store for us, and he wants us to walk in it. But do you know, it says right here, he'll only reveal it to those who ask. There is a narrow path. There is a narrow way. There is a good path. It is for you. Because remember, now you are his chosen people. You are grafted into the vine. You are not children of biology. You are children of the promise. Hallelujah. It's a big deal. You are his favorite. You are his chosen. You are the people that he wants to do signs, wonders, and miracles through and for because he loves you so much. But here's what he will not do. He will not make you turn from your rebellious ways. And he will not reveal a path to you unless you ask him to. We can only trust in God. There is no one trustworthy but the Lord. Now, we enter into relationships in our human life that are important and necessary. And we have a level of trust with our partners, with our spouses, with our children. Our children trust us. We have friendships where we trust people. But hear me on this. People, by nature, will fail at times. And they don't mean to. It's not because they want to let you down. It's because their expectation that was put on them was just a little too high and they couldn't reach up to it. But it's not because it's a personal attack against you. But there is one in your life that will never fail you. There is one in your life that is trustworthy in all circumstances, in all hours, in all moments, and that's Jesus. Why am I telling you that? Because if we're really honest, we're not even really trustworthy sometimes. And this is not an indictment on the human race. What this is, is just the truth. And we need to get real with one another. We can't always trust how we feel. We can't always trust what we think unless we're certain we have the mind of Christ. Because the enemy fights with us right here. This is the attack zone. This is where we go to battle. And the enemy's always putting thoughts in our marine with those things, but they're lies. So moments go by in our life when this isn't trustworthy and this isn't trustworthy, but he is always trustworthy. And so I'm telling you that we must take these minds and make them the mind of Christ. We must take every thought captive. These are all things that the word tells us to do. We can only trust him. We can't even trust ourselves in certain moments. We ourselves are even untrustworthy. If we only trust in ourselves... Let me tell you what it looks like. If we forget that we're in relationship with the only trustworthy one, and we don't spend time in prayer, and we don't spend time in his word, and we forget that we have an ongoing relationship with Jesus, we begin to trust in our own understanding. That's what the word says, right? We lean on our own understanding instead of on him when we forget daily hourly that we're in relationship with him it becomes a form of self-righteousness 
Church, we cannot be the righteousness of Christ if we are now the righteousness of ourselves. That self-righteousness becomes a form of pride. And if we do not remember in this moment that we are in relationship with the only trustworthy one, then it becomes fear. And then all kinds of stuff that is bad, stinky fruit begins to spew out of the pride, out of the fear, and out of the self-righteousness. Things like offense. This one I'm very, very familiar with. I get my feelings hurt. How many of y'all, don't raise your hand, get your feelings hurt? Well, they didn't ask me to pray. Well, they didn't ask me to cook my meatloaf, and I cook meatloaf better than anybody else. Well, they decided to all go to supper, and they did not include us. Well, they had a meeting at the church. Well, my kids decided to get together without me this year. Well, and I got my feelings hurt. Let me tell you what happens when you stay in that place. A fence rises up. Very quickly, hurt feelings turn to offense. Well, now I'm offended. Now I'm offended at him because he didn't ask me to whatever. I'm offended at her because I thought we were best friends and she called so-and-so and told her the news first. Now I'm offended at her. If you stay in that offense but a moment, you're going to become offendable in all areas of your life. Now the man or the woman that you're married to is offending you and you're mad at somebody else over here because they hurt your feelings. But because you're offended, you're offendable in all areas of your life. And do you remember why this happened? We forgot for one moment we were in relationship with the trustworthy one. And now we're offended at everything. Well, that's lovely. We've been with people who are offended at everything. I have been that person. And the Lord, I have gone to the Lord in prayer and remembered finally that I was in relationship with the only trustworthy one. And the very first thing the good father said to me was a little bit of correction. And he said, you're offended. Yeah, but I have a right to be, I told him. I have a right to be offended. They hurt my feelings. And the Lord said, but you're not just offended at them. Now you're offended at everybody. That's not good fruit. And you know what that is? <clears throat> stubborn heart. I'm offended and I'm stubborn. Wait a second. Why did the Lord send Judah to be exiled into Babylon? Because they were stubborn. I think the Lord really cares that we do not carry a stubborn heart. If he cared that his chosen people were exiled for it, I can bet you he cares today. Well, let's look at this other word he said back in Jeremiah 5 that I read to you. But this people has a stubborn heart and a rebellious heart. Now, remember, if we forget for a moment that we're in relationship with the only trustworthy one and we become prideful and self-righteous and then we have fear, there's other stuff that spews out of that besides hurt and offense. What about anxiety and depression? Some of us can't rest well at night because we're full of anxiety and depression. Some of us have a chronic feeling of unworthiness. I'm unworthy. 
because something happened to you, and in that wounding, the enemy came in and he said, you're unworthy, you're unworthy, you're unworthy. Let me remind you that king has invited you to the marriage feast, and the price that he paid that you might come was one that bankrupted heaven because it was his son's life. And let me tell you, not a human life that lasted just a few minutes. God himself rose up his son to leave the throngs of heaven to become a man for the rest of eternity. That's a heavy price. That man was beaten and crucified for you. Church, that speaks of your worthiness. He loves you as a good father and reminds you all the time that he not only paid the price for you, but he looks beyond your faults and your flaws, and he loves you so much. That speaks to your worthiness. But we feel unworthy because we forget we're in relationship with the trustworthy one. And we have fear and depression and anxiety, unworthiness, and we become in bondage to things. In bondage to things. We become a people of addiction. And not just to drugs and alcohol, but things that we have absolutely no business even messing with, like pornography or food. You know, anything can be perverted by the enemy and become an addiction. The praise of man can be an addiction. Acceptance of others. The desire for fame, the desire for mammon or money. We can become in bondage to all of these things. Why? Because we forgot we were in relationship with the one true God, the trustworthy one. And all of a sudden now, we are spending our time, our talent, and our treasure on an earthly thing that has captured our attention. And what is that? That is a rebellion against the one true God that we are supposed to be in relationship with. It's idolatry. It's rebellion. And what does God say in Jeremiah 5.23? But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. And they have turned aside and departed. Do you know, if you live in this way in which I'm speaking right now, it's not hard to understand that we've all had moments of these things I'm mentioning. Every one of us have. You can label it whatever you want. I'm preaching to myself. But if we stay this way long enough, we too will have turned aside and be departed. And what did he do when his perfect children whom he loved became so stubborn and rebellious? He gave them away to exile. We don't have generations and generations for us to consider in this moment. We have our lifespan, and the word is now. Today is the day of salvation. And he's not telling you this word for you to feel chastised and corrected and stay that way. He's calling you to turn and repent and come back to him and do this one thing that I read about in 6 and 16, where he says, ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, walk in it. And you know what you get? Rest for your soul. Life for dead situations in your lives. Freedom for bondage. Freedom from addiction. An unstubborn heart, an unrebellious heart. Some people wear stubbornness like a pride. Well, I'm just a stubborn German girl. 
That is not something to be proud of. The Lord turned a whole nation away for that stuff. Quit wearing it like a badge. We need to get humble. We need to get lowly. The word that the Lord gave me at the end of this time, we need to be a submissive people. If all of this comes with a stubborn spirit and a rebellious heart, just like the children of Israel, please understand that there is a price we will have to pay if we choose to stay rebellious and we choose to stay stubborn. But he loves you so much that he has this word for you. I'm not just calling you to be a saved people, to consider yourselves believers. I'm calling you to be a holy people. You guys, we serve in a church right now. The best part of the church of the Nazarene is a call to holiness, is a call to entire sanctification. And there may be moments when we've forgotten that call, but it didn't come and originate in the manual of the church of the Nazarene, although it's there. And it didn't originate in the papers of John Wesley, although it's there. It originated in the Holy Word of God. And it didn't even start in the New Testament. It started all the way back in Genesis. I can tell you in so many different words of the Bible where he's called us to be a holy people, a set-apart people, a righteous people. We cannot do that if we pray one prayer and live life the way we want to. Well, I went to church and I got saved and I'm covered. Buddy, you better watch that stuff. I don't believe in one and done. I believe in a people that submit and humble themselves day after day. And some of us forget hourly, and I need to submit hourly, sometimes moment by moment. I'm not too proud to be transparent before you and say, the person that struggles with the word I'm sharing right now, probably the most in this room is me. But I have a good father who loves me enough to correct me. And after he corrects me, he says, now go and tell somebody else because you're not the only one. So why do I travel almost nine years of my life, 300 days away from home, away from these precious kids that help lead your worship this morning? These are my babies. I love them. I want to be with them. I can't be with them. You know why? Because there is a call on my life to hear the correction of the Lord for myself and share it with everybody else because I'm not the only one that needs to hear it. And guess what? He can't tell all of us himself because some of us aren't listening. And so this morning, he's reminding us, I've chosen you. I choose you. I never don't choose you. I only have your very best in mind. I only love you. I'm only good, he's saying. But sometimes you're stubborn. And sometimes you're rebellious. But I don't want you to be. I want you to submit and trust me. Because I'm the only trustworthy one. Sometimes you think you know what's best, but sometimes you're influenced by the wrong voice. And so this morning, he's simply saying, I love you enough to correct you. This life of holiness 
is a decision that we make to allow the Lord to purify us and sanctify us by his Holy Spirit. We cannot do it in and of ourselves ever. We can't stay that way in and of ourselves. We must be a vessel that is emptied of self. Now hear me, I misunderstood sanctification. I'm not new to the Church of the Nazarene. I'm a fourth generation Nazarene. I love my denomination. I love holiness. I understand what entire sanctification means. I've heard it preached my whole life, but I missed this one crucial point. In order to allow the Lord to make us holy, to make us his righteousness, to make us pure, to be entirely sanctified, we have to be a vessel that is empty of us. We must die to ourselves. And sometimes it's a daily death. And sometimes we think, I have died to myself. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I'm led by the Spirit. I'm the righteousness of Christ. And I got my feelings hurt, and now I'm offended. And part of me is coming alive again. And that thing needs to be killed again. It needs to be crucified again. And how many of you know that as we walk this journey of Christian maturity to the fullness of Christ, which is what we're called to, the fullness of Christ, not a little bit, not a partial, but the fullness, that we learn that there are parts of ourselves that we cannot crucify. We need help with that thing. And so some days I realize in me there's something coming alive that I seem to have a problem killing off. And so I hand the nails to Jesus and I hand the hammer to Jesus and I say, listen, there's something in me that will not die. When I kill it, would you crucify it for me? I need you to do it. I need you to do a deeper work. I need this people-pleasing thing to die. I need this pride to die. I need the need to be right all the time to die. And I can't seem to kill it off by myself. I need your help. Do you know he's so willing to help us? Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to hopeforrivercity.com. Again, that's hope, the number four, rivercity.com.